This is Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. Hosted by Pastor Matt and Jessica Stahlbaum. Morning Breath starts now. All right, welcome to Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. I'm Matt. And I'm Jessica. And uh, we're just excited here today to share a devotion with you as you drive or as you watch this on Facebook or YouTube or wherever you get this at. Or as you walk. I've been walking a lot, a lot since this whole thing started. And I have been like, how can I make the time go faster? Because I'm trying to get 10,000 steps a day, just trying to get active and keep up with my eating patterns. <laughs> and so I've been watching things like this, like Morning Breath and like the eight, the East Coast at eight that we've been doing. And so it's great to have some content to, to watch while you walk. That's right. Love it. And uh, of course, we've been doing a, a bit of recording here and doing video, testing that out. Hope you enjoy this and can be a part of this as well as you're on the radio on 91.5 or podcast that we've been doing for quite a long time. You can find more information about East Coast at our website, eccc.us, or on our app called the East Coast app, or our Facebook page, East Coast Christian Center Facebook page. Yep, or you can call our office, 321-452-1060 to get any information that you need. But Morning Breath is uh, started as a radio show, and again, we've been morphing in this time. Um, and we have been doing the video podcast, which has been fun. And so we just take one chapter of the Bible uh, every day, Monday through Thursday, and we read it together. And then we share what God is breathing on it for us individually. It's so funny sitting so close to you. <laughs> right now, I'm actually thinking of my breath. I'm like, it's probably like coffee breath, morning it's breath. morning breath. <laughs> awesome. Um, as we, before we jump into morning breath, I wanted to share a few things with you. Uh, as a church, East Coast Christian Center, we've been very strong in our digital world. Uh, we've had weekend, uh, basically take church home with you uh, services. That's found on eccc.us, or you can find that on our Facebook page. We stream that out every week. Um, you can find it on YouTube, but we've got a great platform. If you go to our website, uh, it's called Church Online. And you can actually get prayer. You can invite people to it. If they give their life to Christ, they can actually click a button that says, raise your hand. And literally, they can click that button and they'll go immediately to a chat room with one of our pastors and they can pray with them and connect with them. Uh, we do believe church online is, is great, but what makes it great is that people are able to actually get ministry, not just watch someone talk, which yeah. that's cool and everything, but we want church to, to have community still involved with it. Um, we also have community groups that are alive, active, and strong. In fact, we're both wearing Freedom shirts today. Uh, these are some of our strongest community groups that meet together. Uh, and these are uh, small groups that meet in homes, in Zooms, and so on. And so these are very powerful during this time as people are connecting in this season uh, with Zoom chat and Facebook chat and all of that. Um, and uh, a few other things that's going on is we are we are just all in on generosity right now as a church. Uh, we've reached out to Vieira Hospital, Cape Canaveral Hospital, uh, Holmes Regional, Parish Medical, uh, Wustoff, which is now Stewart Family Med Medical or Family Health. And we've reached out to uh, hospice groups and um, homeless outreach, homeless uh, shelters. Um, the Vard Rescue Mission has been a big part of what we've been helping, which is now called New Life Rescue, which is a homeless shelter for mothers and their children. And mm -hmm. we're just all in right now. And uh, we want to say thank you for your generosity and your support. If you support East Coast Christian Center, uh, you do that through giving on our you know website, eccc.us. Uh, thank you for your support. Thank you for your generosity. It's empowered us 
to give away literally uh, somewhere probably around 700 pizzas to medical the medical community. Yep. We did one outreach where we every Publix in sort of a 10-mile radius, yeah. uh, we were able to go take care of all their employees, which is extremely important during this time that they know that we love them and we're thankful that they're open. And, and I uh, think along with the food drop, we had a semi-truck full of food come drop on our parking lot and give that about 30,000 pounds away. Yeah. Plus what we've been given in our food pantry, we're probably over 100,000 pounds of food easily. during this COVID crisis. And it's all because of your continued generosity and giving. And we're so thankful because it is making a huge difference. Yeah. And we should actually have another food drop uh, in the first week of June. We're partnering with uh, Convoy of Hope and uh, they're... Uh, about to bring us another semi-truck full of food. Second Harvest uh, is actually the other group that we partner with to get the, the trucks to drop. And it's an incredible partnership that we have with both those organizations. It's empowered us to go well over 100,000 pounds of food. Mm, we're probably at about 130,000 pounds of food right now, if wow. we were to kind of calculate that up, give or, take, give or take a pound. So it's pretty accurate. And just thank you for being a part of that. It's been an incredible season of generosity and outreach to the community. We're in Acts chapter 21. Yep. And uh, you want to read first today? Yep. There's 40 verses, so I'll read through 20. Acts chapter 21. When we had torn ourselves away from them and set sail, we ran a straight course and came to Kos, and on the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. And after finding a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, we went on board and set sail. After we came in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on our left, port side, we sailed on to Syria and put in at Tyre, for there the ship was to unload her cargo. After looking up the disciples in Tyre, we stayed there with them seven days, and they kept telling Paul through the Holy Spirit not to set foot in Jerusalem. When our days there came to an end, we left and proceeded on our journey, while all the disciples with their wives and children escorted us on our way until we were outside the city. After kneeling down on the beach and praying, we told one another goodbye. Then we boarded the ship and they returned to their homes. When we had completed the voyage from Tyre, we landed 20 miles to the south at Ptolemy. And after greeting the believers, we stayed with them for one day. On the next day, we left and came to Caesarea and we went to the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven deacons and stayed with him. He had four virgin daughters who had the gift of prophecy. As we were staying there for some time, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea and coming to see us, he took Paul's wide band, belt, sash and bound his own feet and hands and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. In this same way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this band, and they will hand him over to the Gentiles, pagans. Now, when he heard this, both we and the local residents began pleading with Paul, trying to persuade him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul replied, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart like this? For I am ready not only to be bound and imprisoned, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be dissuaded, we stopped pleading and fell silent, saying, The Lord's will be done. After this, we got ready and started on our way up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea also came with us, taking us to the house of Manasson, a man from Cyprus, a disciple of long standing with whom we were to lodge. When we arrived in Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters welcomed us gladly. On the next day, Paul went with us to see James and all the elders of the church were present. After greeting them, Paul began to give a detailed account of the things that God had done among the Gentiles and through his ministry. And when they heard it, they began glorifying and praising God. And they said to him, you see, brother, how many thousands of believers there are among the Jews. And they are all enthusiastic supporters of the law of Moses. They have uh, been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. What shall we do? They will certainly hear that you have come. So do we tell, 
So what do we tell you? There are four men with us who have made a vow. Take these men, join in their purification rites, and pay their expenses so that they can have their heads shaved. Then everyone will know that there's no truth to these reports about you, but that you yourself are living in obedience to the law. As for the Gentile believers, we have written to them that our decision that they should abstain from food, sacrifice to idols, from blood, and from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. The next day, Paul took the men and purified himself along with them. Then he went to the temple to give notice of the date where the days of purification would end, and the offering would be made for each of them. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the providence of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, Fellow Israelites, help us! This is the man who teaches everyone against our people and our law in this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. They had previously seen Trophimus and the Ephesian in the city with Paul and assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple. The whole city was aroused and the people came running from all directions. Seizing Paul, they dragged him from the temple and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, news reached to the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran, ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw that the commander and his soldiers, they, excuse me, when the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Some of the crowd shouting one thing and some another. Since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violent mob was so great he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed kept shouting, get rid of him. And the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks. He asked the commander, may I say something to you? Do you speak Greek, he replied. Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt that led 4,000 terrorists into the wilderness some time ago? Paul answered, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Sicilia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. After receiving the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and mentioned to the crowd. When they all were silent, he said to them in Aramaic, Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the chapter ends there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you want to know what he said, you have to tune in tomorrow <laughs> or read Acts chapter 22. <laughs> he I said, colon, yes, the, end. the end. That's what mine says. That's so funny. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Acts 21. So the verse that really stuck out to me was verse 30. And it says, then the whole city was provoked and confused and the people rushed together they seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple and immediately the gates were closed. And I just thought there's a reason that there is a term called the mob mentality. Yeah. It's actually the reason that there hasn't been toilet paper on our shelves for three months yeah. straight, right? Because yeah. people get in an uproar. They hear one thing, they hear another thing, they put it through their filter of the world's going to end and they, they just get overwhelmed and this like mob mentality starts and you start hearing, Oh, there's no toilet paper here. There's no, I better get some. I'm going to be out. Like this is what has been happening, right? To obviously a lesser degree. And my application for this is don't be a part of the mob mentality. Yes. Be wise, but be spirit led. 
So I remember back in very beginning of March when we were supposed to go to Israel and our trip got canceled. After that, you started doing some research and looking at reputable sources. And also we prayed and just asked the Holy Spirit, what should we do to prepare ourselves in this? We don't know what this is going to turn into. And I remember you asked me to, to always have about three weeks worth of food on hand. And at first I wasn't there. I wasn't there in my mind because I was like, that seems ridiculous. Like we're like a, let's buy what we need for the week because our people in our house eat so much nonstop. But when you said that, then I was like, okay, I'm going to follow the wisdom that I feel like you're walking under. And it wasn't like panicky. It was just like, let's be wise and let's have this on hand. And so that's what we did. But I think there's this, this level of um, trust God in a, in a posture of surrender. But then there's also self-control where we can control what we can control. So there's trusting God and not panicking and not being part of a mom mentality. And the self-control part is the thing that we can actually control, which is our attitude, which is our peace, because we can pray and get peace from God. And it's also the control of getting three weeks worth of food and being prepared. Mm -hmm. So I think there's that, that fine balance between all of this stuff. And the other thing with self-control is now we're in this season. And for me, I was convicted that I could maybe control the, the amount of sugar I was putting into my body. Like I have been baking so much. For instance, the other day I made brownies, but I didn't just make brown brownies out of a box. I also made blonde brownies because you need more than one thing of brownies, apparently. <laughs> But after that, I love blonde brownies, by the way. They're so good. But I made them. And then I heard this um, this message from Pastor Chris Hodges about self-control. And I realized, oh, that is something that I could actually control is um, how much sugar I'm putting in my body. So I, I, I stayed off sugar for about three days and got myself back in line because it was getting out of control. But mob mentality is not something that we ever need to subscribe to. Um, it's like just, your body kind of gets in mob mentality. Yeah, like, I got to have it. Like, I got to... I got to do that. I got to watch that. I got to eat that. I got to. Yeah. And you almost feel like your body, your flesh is raging yes. like a mob against your spirit. I know. I think it's a great point, actually. And, you know, sugar is just uh, an example of yeah. if, you know, sugar is not bad for you. Like, you know, sugar in excess is bad for you. And yeah. sugar, when it controls you, is is bad for you. And so is everything when it really controls you. That's not the Lord. Except coffee. Except coffee. That's the only <laughs> thing. That's the only exception. That's actually in the Bible, apparently. Mm -hmm. I have It's somewhere. I heard it's in there. Is it like, really? No, it's not. Oh. Uncullable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Haha. Anyway, so the point there is trusting the Lord and also finding what are the things that are controlling my decisions. And the best way to fight the mob is to not feed the mob, right? You don't yeah. want to feed, you want to fight your flesh. Don't feed your flesh. Yeah. Don't surround yourself with things that feed your flesh and, you know, stop baking brownies, you know, or whatever. If that's what's taking you down, <laughs> <laughs> not that I want you to stop, I I'm know. enjoying them. I know. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's one thing. Um, anything else you want to say with that? Because I, I saw a couple of things in here too. Well, just the only last thing about that is when I was saying that we can control our peace I'm saying that we can be not only peacekeepers, but peace brokers. So in any situation that we're going into, whether it's within our family or within um, maybe our extended family or in other parts of the country and are experiencing this in a different way. I have a lot of family in Michigan right now, and they're under way more lockdown than we have been here in Florida. And I think just continuing to be uh, salt and light, like bring truth, but also with grace and hope and point people towards peace, like this too shall pass and all of that. So not just peacekeepers for us, but peace brokers in the situations that we find ourselves in. That's really good. You know, there's a little bit of a sort of a dispute of opinions in here, which I think tracks along with the mob mentality. 
But I wanted to start out with Paul is basically uh, meeting with some people and they begin to tell him like, hey, look, if you keep continuing in your path, you're going to get arrested. You're going to go to jail. You're the, I mean, some bad things can really happen to you. And in fact, these four uh, daughters, nine, verse nine, uh, and it says in yours, it says four virgin daughters, but all that means is four unmarried daughters. So like four single girls came and prophesied. And I want to, I want to highlight that verse because uh, I know sometimes we're like, can women be in ministry? And that, that argument comes up. And I think it's always worth to just make a note, especially in cultural conversation and cultural arguments, scriptures that support women in ministry. And this is one of them. They prophesy. They actually prophesy the truth. They prophesy that Paul is going to be arrested. And he actually does get arrested. Paul ends up in prison. Uh, Paul ends up getting taken off to Rome and all of these things. So they prophesy the truth. But this is what begins to happen as they prophesy the truth. Now, opinions begin to form about the prophecy. And this is where we have a problem always. We can prophesy. We can read the Bible. We can have an opinion. We can even know the, the dead, accurate word of God truth. But then now it's interpreting the truth. And this is where the mobs start fighting. Uh, I recently saw someone say, why are there so many denominations, you know, or like, why do we allow this as a church and as a culture? Uh, the reason why is because people don't always agree. They get the truth and then they don't agree on the interpretation. Mm -hmm. So they're saying, don't go. You'll be arrested. So they're thinking, don't go, right? Yeah. Paul's thinking, I'm going and I'm fine getting arrested. This is my mission. Yeah. So Paul has to make a decision with all the fear and all the facts and all the stuff. So I'm going anyway, guys. I appreciate the prophecy. I'm ready to be arrested and I'm okay with that. That's going to be part of my mission in life. And so it's a wild thing to know the truth and disagree over what to do with the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard. It's In fact, we've had to deal with that quite a bit over the last couple months with just the the fact that, hey, you know, we know there's a pandemic. We know that people are dying. We know this. And then you'll see a video pop up on YouTube or Facebook that kind of makes it seem like, what are we doing? Why are we, let's just open everything up. And you're like, yes, let's open it all up. And then, you know, you'll see scientific facts that that's a bad idea. And then you'll hear scientific facts that say that's a good idea. And, and we get swayed back and forth. And then what really stood out to me, what you said, is we dump that on other people mm -hmm. as and almost trying to, to get help to what should I do, right? Yeah. And so we dump our crazy opinion, like, what about this? And they're like, I don't know if I agree with that. And there's friction. Or like, I love that. And then we go grab that opinion. We go dump it on somebody else. And we create this little mob and we form these opinions. And uh, you can see this in real time. If you ever watch something like Governor DeSantis uh, talk to a news report and then on Facebook, if you watch it on Facebook, you'll actually see in real time, opinion, mm. opinion, opinion, yeah. opinion, opinion, opinion. And it's like, oh my gosh, we're all fighting over our opinions. Yeah. And uh, as believers, what we always need to remember is that God can speak through you. He can speak through me. But at the end of the day, we need to work together to come to some kind of agreement. Yep. And it's not always going to be easy. But at the end of the day, like Paul, we've got to make a decision to go. And whatever the consequences are, we deal with it. Yeah, so actually in verse 14, I'll go back to that. Uh, it said, and since he would not be dissuaded, we stopped pleading 
and fell silent saying the Lord's will be done. And I think that we all, I know, I don't think we, I know that we as believers, especially need to be in agreement in marriage when we're not on the same page about something, which happens all the time about little things about big things. We are two different people. We, we are married and one in, let's say you are one, right? They say that in the, the marriage covenant, but we are still have two different brains and we still have opinions and they're both valid, but there is something about God's will. God's will be done. That's ultimately what we want and what we both should be striving toward and seeking and be able to say, this is my opinion. This is your opinion. What is God's opinion? Like we should always in everything be asking that question. And I think it goes back to trust and self-control. There was, uh, I was reminded recently about the serenity prayer, which is God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. And I think Paul had major courage here. He was told by all these people he was going to be arrested. But like you said, he knew the mission and he knew I'm glad to be I'm glad to know this and I'm glad that you guys are going to be covering me in prayer, but I'm going forward and I'm going with courage. And in verse 38, Can I say actually, something real yeah. quick about disagreement. Yeah. I I found that even in our disagreements we end up being stronger because we're hearing our different perspectives. And if we can actually get through sometimes the friction of a disagreement, which we're not always great at either. Mm -hmm. And I'll take credit for all of that. It's like, I, I like my opinion a lot. You know, it's my favorite opinion out there. And so <laughs> uh, when I say something and you disagree with it, I'm not always receptive. And you have to often say, hey, look, you want a conversation about this? Or you just want to like, you know, just do whatever you want. And I'm like, oh, crud, I'm doing that. Shoot, you know, let me go back and uh, I'm sorry. Like, let's talk about it. And uh, I think that in marriage, we're stronger because we're able to share each other's opinions. We're able to compromise and then say, compromise in a good way and say, what should we, what should we do? Not yeah. what would I do, but what should we do with our, both of our strengths, with both of our insights and both of our gifts? And it's actually a very healthy thing in marriage. Um, we're not compromising our values or our core. Otherwise, we wouldn't, have, we wouldn't be married. We yeah. have the same values. We have the same core beliefs. It's we're compromising the methods usually and how to get the end result. Yeah. And we're both very opinionated <laughs> and we love our own opinions. So don't, don't and I, think. And I love your opinion. I know. I love yours too. Thank you. Was that hard for you to say? <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> so back to courage. Paul had major courage because he's literally getting beaten, getting beaten to death until the <laughs> officials arrive. And then in that moment, he comes out of that, gets rescued, but then put in chains by these people. And he takes the moment to ask the, uh, who did he ask? The commander, may I say something to you? And first of all, I love this because what is like the one thing that I have drilled into our kids' heads since they were born? May, may I, I please? please? Instead of can I? Because can is a question of ability. May is a question of whether you're permission. Allowed, uh, permission, allowed to do it. And so ever since my kids were able to talk, I'm like, can I do this? I don't know. Can you? You know, may I please? And so I really think he, he manners got him the, he said may I? well it took boldness it took right? boldness and manners but it took manners as well it, it, it took being smart and, yeah. and asking for permission yes. and what a clever thing to do and what a bold thing to do so bold yeah so again you'll have to read chapter 22 to see how his incredible speech to the crowd but i just think he was obedient and with this speech he planted seeds you'll see that it didn't get him released spoiler alert he did not get released from jail because of this speech but it planted seeds and he was able to say what he felt like the Lord was saying to him. And my one of our sons came to me 
uh, or I was helping him with school or something. He had a history question and his history book is um, biblically based. And so it does have a, a Christian perspective, which is awesome. And it gives him the ability to look back at history through a Christian perspective and ask some cer certain questions. And so his question was um, basically about how, what impact have I had on eternity? And he asked me what that meant. And I, he, he said, if Jesus comes back tomorrow, and I've never prayed with anyone to get saved specifically, what does that mean for me? And I just explained to him that the way he lives his life is a witness to people. He is one of the uh, most kindest people that we've ever met. He also serves in the church and goes early when we used to set up church and we will again one day. And he will go early and set up the church. And I said, church doesn't happen without people like you giving your lives to this and your kindness speaks volumes to people and the way that you live your life is a witness. And so I just thought that we're planting seeds always. And Paul was planting seeds in the speech that he gave to the crowd and we're planting seeds with our lives. The way we're loving our neighbors right now is planting seeds for the future, for them to give their lives to Jesus. The way that we are serving the community and bringing food to nurses is planting seeds in their lives and that there will be a huge harvest yeah. from everything that we're planting in this And we season. all have a part to play in that. That's right. You know, we some, can't get to, some share the truth and plant you know, seeds and some reap the harvest and actually reap the seeds. I've shared way more truth that I have reaped a harvest and I've actually seen people give their life to Christ, but I've been a part of it. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Morning Breath uh, and watching this podcast as well. We love you guys and we'll see you. Uh, we will see you next week, but yep. Morning Breath will continue tomorrow. That's right. Take Bye. care. You are listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center, Merritt Island, Vieira, and Coco. Langston Commercial Real Estate, owned by Scott Langston, a senior commercial broker, has been selling real estate and giving free consultations for over 18 years. Scott Langston will show you the best way to buy, invest, or lease commercial property. 321-403-1111. That's 321-403-1111. Hi everyone, Kevin Barfield here with Barfield Contracting and Associates. We are a fully licensed and insured roofing and building contractor. We're located in Cocoa Village, but we service all of Brevard County and surrounding communities. We also offer many discounts, military, senior. As always, we offer free estimates and we appreciate every opportunity that we're given. We're at 454-4531. That's 454-4531, Barfield Contracting. Treating you like family. God bless you. Pineapple Garden Assisted Living Facility, located in the Rockledge Vieira area. Affordable care with daily activities and a friendly 24-hour staff, making sure you or your loved one is safe and secure. Please visit us today by going online at pineapplegarden.com or call 321-405-CARE. We want to be a church that's focused on God, focused on the people on the inside, and focused on the people on the outside. Love God, love the church, love people, because we're building a life-giving church that lasts. East Coast Christian Center. Join us every weekend, Saturday night at 5.30 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. East Coast Christian Center is located at 680 North Courtney Parkway, Merritt Island. The Avenue Worship Center. Enjoy a fresh brewed cup of coffee with friends and family. Service times are at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at 85 North Richland Avenue. 
East Coast Christian Center Coco. We now have three services every Sunday morning at 8.15, 10 o'clock, and 11.45 a.m. Located at 1855 North Friday Road Coco. For more information, call 452-1060, extension 100. That's 452-1060, extension 100. Or visit us online at eccc.us. That's eccc.us. East Coast Christian Center, building a life-giving church that lasts. Thank you for listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center. We hope to see you at one of our locations this weekend. For additional information, such as service times, events, and more, please visit us at eccc.us. Thanks, and we hope you have a blessed day.